and welcome to the 13th episode of Vizination Gando Sakorokro. This is uh, Ritika and I have my co-host Abhishek with me. Hello everyone. And you know what, before even we start with our usual rundown of stories, I've got some uh, news for you. Uh, uh, what is that? One of your uh, favorite role models or uh, not Mukesh Ambani this time, but okay. uh, Shah Rukh Khan. Khan. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He has... A bid for a franchise in Indian yeah. Premier League. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And that's pretty big. $50 million is what the minimum bid price is. And IPL is uh, the league uh. which has been floated by BCCI. So there you can buy teams like you, you can buy Manchester United or Real Madrid. Hmm. I think now after a few years, you know, his name will also be there in the richest men. So he, he's right up there. You're right. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. Yep. So... <laughs> Let's talk about a couple of figures who are in the news for unceremonious reasons. Yes. And uh, one of them is Chairman and Chief Executive of the financial giant City Group, Charles Prince, who has resigned in face of losses. Citibank has taken a $5 billion write-down on uh, its uh, distressed uh, mortgage assets and this has shown a huge drop in profits. Absolutely. I mean, who had told him to underwrite all those... Uh, uh, mortgage-backed securities to all those people who didn't have the credit worthiness in the first place. But um, yes. there was an interview that I read of uh, this man who is the largest shareholder in mm. Citigroup in, uh, in Fortune magazine and his name is mm. uh, Prince Alwalid bin Tadal bin Abdul Aziz Al Saud. He's okay. just one man. So he owns 3.6% in Citigroup and mm. uh, Chuck Prince or Charles Prince, he had called him up and said that this hai, 6.4 billion write down and then later on another 3.4 billion Chuck Prince had to resign. In fact, he is victim of the same uh, subprime market crisis which we had covered uh, some time back in our podcast. Right. Uh, because of this crisis, there are many firms falling victim to it and Suti uh, Group is uh, one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first one. Earlier, uh, Merrill Lynch CEO Stan O'Neill also had to uh, resign because of the subprime crash. And now this is the second CEO to go and it seems that there are many more in coming. Yes. But you know what, this time, unlike the ones which had happened earlier, Enron, Mm. WorldCom and Mm. Tyco, from the corporate governance point of view, this time there was no whistle blowing. The CEOs themselves put their hand up and the top management said, okay, we goofed up. And now this is their way of showing that we are correcting the situation. Back Mm. then it was... A stock price which was uh, which was trading at $100, say, of WorldCom was trading at $0.05 cents because they goofed up big time and nobody said a word. But this mm-hmm. time, at least, that is one thing which is good. So it's not going to be a crash of sorts. Yes, I guess there is nothing much more left to crash <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but what about... Because the... even Citigroup stock mm-hmm. is down, like, it's down for more than 30% this year. Five-year low, yeah. Last, yes, and last week it fell more than 9% after this uh, whole news of resignation had come in. Ah, uh, you know why? Oh. You know what? That is why hmm. the severance package or the exit package of Chuck Prince is only 30 million as compared to 160 million of Stan O'Neill. That's because most of uh, it what is... I What I have uh, gathered is mm-hmm. that his exit package is 93 million. 93 million? Okay, yeah. I read this in Telegraph or dot .uk. So yeah, pe... in BBC that it is 93 <laughs> million. <laughs> okay, whatever the reasons, there is a big gap. There, there is 160 to 200 million of Stan O'Neill of Merrill and say 93,000 of uh, 93 million of Chuck Prince, but most of the money that Chuck Prince will be taking off is through shares. That's why, and anyway, it's trading at five-year low. But all the newspapers are saying that the CEOs do not deserve what they get when they walk out. But I say it's 
it's pretty okay i mean the problems of a ceo when he goes off to bed in the night mm-hmm. is much different than what a middle manager ka problem is fine yeah at that position i mean the middle manager are not going but the ceo is going exactly react mm-hmm. but well if there are two ceos who are going because of ex bad losses there is one ceo who is not going despite that company taking almost a 39 billion dollar hit and mm. that company is uh, general motors yes so <laughs> it seems that general motors is so used to the bad news that not even a dollar 39 billion hit mm. has uh, caused the ceo rick uh, wagner to uh, resign you know what i've never seen the man smile <laughs> the, last, the, the last time he smiled, there was peace in America. Trust me. Yeah, I, since the time he you're came, you're talking in, about George Bush. You're talking <laughs> about Rick Wagner. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Because the moment he walked in to take charge of General Motors, there was a yeah. big health pension. crisis where some ceo had signed off 50 years ago that all those who retire after say particular age will be getting the retirement benefits hmm. because of which the loss went into billions of dollars and abhi right. another 38 billion write off yes but it seems that uh, he commands a lot of loyalty amongst the, his employees as well as board of directors and it seems that whatever losses general motors has taken now is like uh, something that that will happen despite whoever is the ceo Huh. So it doesn't make sense to let the CEO go. <laughs> That is their logic. This uh, almost uh, 39 billion dollars is a result of deferred tax assets, mm-hmm. which, which were meant to be set off against future profits. Mm-hmm. But it seems that General Motors has now anticipated that there will be no future profits for a long <laughs> time, and so they have decided to write off mm-hmm. these assets. Uh, and also, General Motors bet wrong. on what kind of cars to produce they did not foresee mm-hmm. the the fuel hike and they still went ahead and produced those uh, sport utility vehicles or yes, fuel that happened vehicles. somewhere that happened somewhere in the 80s mm-hmm. when toyota had just entered the market and at that time uh, toyota understood the need of the time and they came with more fuel efficient cars whereas general motors was concentrating more on uh, as you said the sport mm-hmm. utility vehicles and style and uh, etc so uh, right from that time the decline of general motors had started blame the japanese <laughs> yes and in fact uh, adding to this till uh, recently most of the profit of general motors was coming because of its stake in uh, the general motors financial services which is the financial arm of general motors auto loans etc uh-huh. but this time because of the great subprime crisis <laughs> again even general motors had to bear a loss of uh, 57 million dollars uh, versus a profit of 522 million dollars a year earlier so basically general motors sells cars but makes profit on the financial services <laughs> this time it was lost there also but yeah that's right so on one hand we have uh, the us company is taking a hit and on the other hand we have a chinese company making to the top of the world where the news is that Petro China has become the world's most valued company after its uh, recent IPO and it has overtaken US giant Exxon Mobil after uh, it was listed in China after its IPO number one company in the world is a chinese company who had bet that <laughs> uh, in terms of market cap the shares of petro china actually were already traded in hong kong and new york Mm-hmm. but then it just made its debut on the shanghai stock uh, exchange the shares were priced at 16.7 yuan for the ipo 
and uh, they were listed at 48.62 euros shortly mm. after opening so it was an increase of you know almost 200% <laughs> and it um, placed it much ahead of uh, exxon mobil but in terms of earnings petro china does not even make it to the top 50 companies of the world but in terms of market capitalization <laughs> it does it actually puts a question mark on how the firm is valued and how sustainable is the chinese stock boom uh-huh. because it seems that in the past year the chinese stock exchange they have uh, surged like mm, more than 130% mm-hmm. and uh, most of the companies are trading almost 60 times to their earnings which is much much <laughs> higher than right. most of the other parts of the world you know it's 53 so, for uh, google google is trading at 53 times its revenues and yeah. but it will be interesting to see what the promoters holdings are in these companies the chinese companies mm-hmm. because if mukesh ambani has 50 billion as his net worth and if some chinese company is number 1 in the world if the owner owns about 50% then it's a matter of time that bill gates could be second or third <laughs> yeah and i i think you also mentioned to me a couple of days back ki 6 out of 10 companies from china have made it to the top 10 or something top like that top 10 ipos right world then so like it's, it's just not the indian <laughs> stock exchange that booming i think one of the other reasons is that we are at least 15 years behind we started off late the liberalization yeah. process so it so it will happen later <laughs> yeah but that's not an excuse i keep, uh, yeah. giving, <laughs> keep giving it now every now <laughs> completely agree Okay, let's move on to a lighter topic. We've been speaking about Chuck Prince and billions of dollars in loss and all that. Let's talk about film marketing in India. It seems that finally our filmmakers have realized that making their movies alone cannot earn them money, which is happening quite often with the number of flops we have. <laughs> so they have decided to move on to one more revenue stream. And that is film marketing. For example, Om Shanti Om, which was uh, and it is recently i thought so i mean of all the examples <laughs> in the world it had to be hope santhiyam right yeah go of course right shahrukh khan is always at the forefront you know yeah so om santhiyam has released a clothing line based on 70s in collaboration with shop stop earlier krish had tied up for its merchandising saurya has tied up with pantaloons Yes, uh, and I just said in the paper today that uh, pantaloons is uh, sweating hard because of that because they're losing a lot of money. <laughs> oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, so it's a double-edged sword. I haven't seen the movie, but I would want to do. The revenues that Hollywood earns through film merchandising is up from anywhere between 15 to 35 percent of the total revenue that they earn through the film. Hmm. You compare that with 2 percent in Bollywood, and uh, the industry right. is not as big. Uh, either it's only 150 crores and 90% of that 150 crores comes from the kyuki sarvi kabhi bahuthi and other tv channels yes and the other 10% is films it also gives the retailers a big opportunity yeah, but then there is a lot of risk involved as well right because the shelf life is as low as possibly 2 or 3 weeks if the film doesn't do well you're done and out completely Yeah that's right but then even for those 2 3 weeks i think there is a huge amount of sale because film clothing sells almost three times faster than any other line unless you have a major flop like saveria then you lose money and another thing is that film merchandising was, was always there in india i would say mm-hmm. but it was mainly in the unorganized market like i remember when bunty or bubbly had released 
almost everywhere I could see that Salwar Kameez that uh, uh, Rani Mukherjee wears in the movie it had right. become a big great so everybody I mean almost every tailor was fitting that and every uh, shop was uh, showcasing those uh, true true so true so it, it was always there in the unorganized market now the producers have become smarter you know some of the producers in, in Hollywood like uh, George Lucas he is the writer and director of Star Wars he takes a writers and directors fee cut and he gets the merchandise rights in exchange so it means it's so big Harry Potter and all these films they are they are a case study in uh, merchandising and product placements also you, in, in Om Shanti Om you saw the, that huge hoarding of Tag Heuer that is being endorsed yeah. by Shah Rukh Khan Shah Rukh Khan is supposed to be one of those few actors who take their endorsements very seriously and even in real life you'll watch him wearing Tag Heuer and I had read a news item recently in Mumbai Mirror that <laughs> <laughs> when somebody asked he heard two uh, spot boys talking about uh, his hair and that uh, they were very nice etc so he told them it is because of Namratna oil <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> okay he does take it very seriously I think he needs a break <laughs> but in case of product placements in India in Indian films they are not done subtly is my thing i mean if you've seen the movies like yeah. castaway or minority report the products are woven into the script whereas in our case yeah sometimes in our movies is they uh, weave the story itself and the script it's a big thing you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> weaving product placements in the script right i'll have to see sabariya that's why i'm saying people have been very hard on sanjay neela bansali it says that he's used blue in the film so much that he is called sanjay neela bansali now Uh, let's uh, continue into some more interesting news. Let's talk about hard drinks. Leading champagne winemaker, Champagne in Dodge, in India is expanding in five continents. Uh, they started off in India and now they've got their units in Asia, Australia, Europe, South America and uh, Africa. The statistics are pretty interesting. In India, mm-hmm. the wine consumption is 10 milliliters per person per year as opposed to 59 liters in France. 22 liters in Australia and 27 liters in uh, UK. But then Sula Wines ka founder Rajiv Samant who is uh, a Stanford graduate quit his job in Oracle and that Swadesh story another Swadesh story. Uh, he said that one of the best things that have, could have happened to India in wine research is Dil Chata Hai. Oh, you know yeah. yes because that was the only film where the, the actor brings in wine to uh, Preeti Zinta's home and nobody reacted vehemently or otherwise. I mean we are talking about two educated people and one of them as a gesture like it is done in the west he brings home a wine bottle so then he said then if it is accepted so it's going to be a huge market in india so even mm-hmm. sula wines is expanding like crazy future group has invested 50 crores in uh, sula wines very recently the group is like you know going everywhere i don't think they want to leave any industry that's because kishor biani i don't know i think he sleeps thinking about retail yeah. gets up and says okay let me invest <laughs> in wines today that's right So then there are only uh, these two players Champagne Indaj and Sula Wines uh, Sharad Pawar is also in contemplating on investing crores of rupees in a vineyard somewhere near Kolhapur or Nashik so it's a big industry now it was steep earlier then you had coffee houses then mm. the big leap to wine <laughs> all right so that's about it from this episode of Busy Nation Dhando Takko Rokdo go log on to our website theindicast.com and uh, leave your comments there thank you bye 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 bye